You are now listening to the Way to Go Youth Podcast with Pastor Jerome Baker. This podcast is an outreach of a place of refuge church located in Carrollton, Georgia, where the pastor is Bishop Barry Walker. Our vision is to help youth and young adults to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's word. Now, let's receive Pastor Baker with today's message. You are listening to The Way to Go. In our verse, the two primary groups of people are Jesus and his disciples. When we pick up the text in verse 66 of John chapter 6, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. Notice, after he taught the word in a city named Capernaum. Let's see if you grasp what I said. Who is Jesus having a conversation with? Disciples. When was he having a conversation with them? After he what? Taught the word. And where was he having this conversation? In a city named what? Capernaum. A disciple is a key word in the text. A disciple, young people, basically is a loyal follower and learner. Remember that. A disciple is a loyal follower and learner. If you have given your life to the Lord, you are considered a saint or a disciple. And God expects you to loyally follow him and learn from him. Every time we come in our God's presence in a setting like this, you should be learning something. If you are a child of God, whether you are a child, teenager, young adult, or adult, every time Jesus uses his men and women of God to teach us something, if you are a loyal disciple, you should be learning something. You should leave that service with at least one thing that you have, you have learned. Jesus told his disciples prior in their conversion, look, my yoke is easy. What I want you to do is learn from, learn from me. Take my yoke on, on you and learn from me. Help me out and look at somebody and say, you need to be learning about your God. Never leave God's house ignorant. Never, never leave God's house ignorant. Learn something. Capernaum is another key word. Capernaum was the city, young people, that Jesus was teaching at in a synagogue or a temple. Capernaum simply means a place of comfort. Matter of fact, Capernaum has 
two meanings, but I want to just deal with one of the meanings, a village or a city of comfort. This is very important to young men and young women that follow the Lord. As young saints, we should be followers or loyal followers and learners of the Lord, but we should never get comfortable. Never get at ease, young people. Never get to the point in life as a child of God where you feel as if you have arrived. Do not get comfortable. Capernaum was a place where Jesus basically wanted to see, in one sense, if his disciples had got at ease. Wanted to see if they had got comfortable. And so while he was there, he, he was teaching and he was preaching. And after the folk heard the word, they concluded, man, this is a, a hard saying. Man, he's he, he teaching some tough stuff. Understand something. The Lord does not want his folk to get at ease. And so what he will do is he will send us a word that will challenge us. He will send us a word to try to stretch our faith, increase our faith, cause us to go from one level to another level. But if you are comfortable, if you are stubborn, you're not going to move. And so that is somewhat of the scene in Capernaum. Jesus has taught a hard word, and now after the teaching, he's just talking to his disciples. And based upon the conversation, we find out, as well as based upon the teaching, we find out that there are two types of disciples in Jesus' day. How many types of disciples? Two types, and I'm going to deal with these two types, but we need to go a little bit further to understand what it means to be a disciple. Before I touch that, let's look at John 8 and 31, and let's deal with some more qualities of a loyal disciple. Y'all still with me? All right. John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my what? Disciples in, indeed. You real. You genuine. So a disciple, a follower of Christ needs to abide in the word. Continue in the word. Your lifestyle, my lifestyle as a Christian needs to be based upon God's word. When I abide in the word, I'm thinking, I'm talking, and I'm making choices based upon God's, God's word. And Jesus said, if I abide in the word, I'm, I'm a true disciple. But then in Luke 9.23, notice, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him do what? Come on, disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. So if I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, I got to deny my, myself first. Going to be things I want to do, but I don't follow myself. I need to follow Christ. So I have to deny myself. In a setting like this, self may want to go to sleep. But you got to deny your, yourself. In a setting like this, self may want to act like you on the phone reading your Bible, but you be doing something else. You got to deny your, yourself. Put this flesh in its place and follow Christ. That's two verses on what it means to be a real disciple. But again, this is what's amazing. When you look at the verse, you, you find or it reveals some other types of disciples back in Jesus' day. But because nothing is new under the sun, you got these same type disciples in our day. How many are with me so far by a show of hands? All right. Two types of disciples in Jesus' day. The first one are types of disciples, saints, that separated from Jesus. You got some disciples in the text, they separated from the word. Because Jesus is the what? The word. Look at what the text says in John 6 and 66. From that time, many of his disciples, they were following him. They were learning from him. But when he got to teaching certain things, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They were with him as long as he was teaching and doing certain things. But then when he got to teaching some things that was challenging to them, they separated, many of them. Many of them separated. And it was thousands at the time because this is right after he fed the thousands. Could you imagine that? Thousands of people. And then the preacher preached the word. And then the majority of them say, well, we don't want to hear that. We out. They just went back. Figurative of they rejected the word. They didn't want to hear what he was teaching and preaching. They abandoned Jesus. They abandoned the word. They abandoned their pastor. All because of what he was teaching. They went back. 
See, whenever you are a young person or an adult that rejects the word, one prophet said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not because they weren't hearing or know it, it's because they, re, they rejected it. But then he says they walked with him no, no more. They no longer respected him. No longer worshipped him. These folks separated from the truth. Separated from the word. Separated from the best thing. The best person in their life. And in our day and time, young folk, you're going to be tried. You're going to hear a word. You're going to bump into people. And if you're not where you need to be, you could actually choose to do like they did, to just backslide. Just leave the truth or the word. And, I, and I, as I pondered on the text, are y'all still with me? As I pondered on the text, I said, man, why did they do that? Jesus was the best thing that happened to them. Bottom line, Many of those disciples had a problem with the truth. They just had a problem with the word. And you got, you got young people like that in our day and time. Young adults just like that. You start talking about certain things, they'll tune you out. They'll nod off on you. They'll say amen but won't do it. You, you get to telling God's people, look, you don't need to listen to certain music. They'll say, look, I do what I want to do. I listen to what I want to listen to. You get to teaching and preaching how you got to be holy and not touch the unclean things. Some disciples will reject that. You know you don't need to be drinking that. You know you don't need to be going there. You a child. Of God. You might have a fight in the church. No matter what you do, young folk, you have to have the proper relationship with the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. The truth will expose you and me. The truth, as the old folks say, will step on your, your toes. The truth will be at home in the bed with you. The truth will be in the car with you. It'll follow you to school. It'll follow you to practice. The truth is alive. But because you and I are free moral agents, you can choose to receive it or reject it. And Paul understood this. He told one church, he said, look, it's going to come a time in 2 Timothy 4 and 3. Look at this. He said, for the time will come when people, and he was talking to the church, talking to uh, Timothy, who was a pastor. They will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear it. They won't want to hear it. You, you, you can tell them how everything that have breath should praise the Lord, and they won't do it. But then when Super Bowl halftime show come on, the artists singing and rapping, they'll praise the enemy with their body. 
Folk don't want to endure. Some folk don't want to hear sound doctrine. You have to make sure for yourself that you're not that type of person. Even if the truth offends you or makes you mad. I want the truth. Matter of fact, I need the truth. Because Jesus later said the truth is what makes a person free. Truth is what's going to deliver you. Truth will keep me out of hell. Truth will cause me to be blessed while I'm here on earth. Whether I'm going through a trial, coming out of trial, or in a trial, I need the truth. And as a young person, again, you need to have the proper relationship with the truth. Tell somebody, truth is your friend. That's it. Truth is your friend. So much so that the proverb writer said, truth should be bound around your neck. You got to keep truth on the inside of you. If I'm right, somebody shout, he right. The disciples at that time that separated had a, part, a problem with the truth. And if I go on and just deal with it a little bit more, whenever you have a problem with the truth, it says that you have the wrong appetite. You have the wrong appetite. And see, that's what was going on in the text. These folks didn't have an appetite for the truth. Jesus revealed that they had an appetite for the things of the flesh. They, they didn't want the things of the spirit. They wanted the things of the, of the flesh. That's the wrong appetite. When you talk about having an appetite, it's what you want. It's what you crave. It's what you desire. And as a young saint, we don't need to have the wrong appetite. If you keep partaking of the wrong thing or of poison, it's going to kill you. It's going to hinder your growth. You got to have the right appetite as a child of God. Jesus said it like this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for for righteousness. You, you got to choose to be the type of young person that has an appetite for the things of God and not for the things of the flesh. Why? Jesus told these same disciples, he said, the flesh profits nothing. Matter of fact, I'm going to show it to you shortly, but tell somebody, say, the flesh profits nothing. And that's what was going on with some of these disciples, even amongst some of the 12. They didn't believe the word the way they needed to, and some were desiring the wrong things. Desiring the wrong things. And see, young people, we, we got to remember the Bible and what it teaches. By a show of hands, how many remember the text about Adam and Eve. The Lord told them what they could eat, what they should desire. But Eve 
began to desire something that God told her was restricted, told her not to partake of. She had the wrong appetite. And she not only had the wrong appetite, she partook of what she was desiring. In life, young folk, you got to be able to recognize what is good for you and what is not good for you. You got to be able to discern who is good for you and who is not good for you because the wrong appetite will get you killed. I said the wrong appetite will get you killed. Tell somebody, don't have the wrong appetite. You got to have the right appetite. You, you got to know that, that whatever is of God and is connected to God, I want that. That's what I want. I, I, I want everything that the Lord has for me. Because you're free moral agents. And, and, and Jesus knew it. He saw all these folks separating, leaving him. Then he turns to his own disciples and he says, y'all going to go away too? Y'all going to do just like them? You always have a choice, young people. You always have a choice between the truth and a lie. You always have a choice. Nobody can make you do anything. You always have a, a choice. In your marriage, you have a what? Choice. In your personal life, you always have a, a choice. Are you going to do what's going to cause you to be blessed? Or are you going to do what's going to cause you to be cursed? You always have a choice. And I love it. Jesus put that on the 12, the ones he chose. What y'all going to do? Y'all going to reject the truth too? Y'all going to be just like them? And he, and he just sat there and waited for an answer. You have to be able to make the right choice, young people, despite what other people are doing. Despite what other people say, you have to know how to make the right choices for, your, for yourself. And that's what Jesus, what are y'all going to do? Now, this is what got me. At the time when Jesus was talking specifically to the 12, Simon Peter was immature. But he was able to determine who and what was truly of value for his life. Even as a child, Teenager, young adult, even if you're not fully mature yet, you still need to be able to discern what is of value for your, for your life. You need to be able to hear what a rapper is saying. Look beyond the beat and say, is what they rapping about, is this valuable for me? Is this going to help me to be the young man that God 
wants me to be. You need to be able to look at your, your, your friends or your associates that are out selling drugs. And you need to be able to say, now look, is that, that's what they doing. But is that what's best for me? Do I need to be doing that? You, you need to be able to listen to your friends when they down you about your sexuality and you hanging on to what God has told you to do. You, you need to be able to say, do I really want to be like her? Do I really want to have the same reputation? You have to be able to know what is of value for you. I know I'm talking right. Despite what other folk do, you got to get to the point to where you make your own choices and be led by the spirit of God. And so Simon Peter, man, he get to speaking up. I love what he said. Woo, woo. And, and when we look at Simon Peter, we see the second type of disciple. Y'all still with me? You first got the group that separated. But then you got the group of disciples that were like Peter. They stuck to the word. That's what Simon Peter represented. He represented those who were going to stick to the word. And young people, that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. You got to stick to the word. Every day you wake up, you have to make a choice to frame your life based upon the word of God. I'm just going to stick to the word. It don't matter what my sister, my brother's going to do. I'm making the choice. I'm going to stick to the word. The word, young people, is what our lives should be based upon. Even when it challenges us or makes us upset. It's the word. Help me tell somebody to say, your life should be based on the word. Boy, look at what Peter said. Boy, I love what Simon Peter said. Good. Goobly goob. Peter made a life-altering decision that was not popular, but he was bold enough to stick to the word. Who are we going to go to? You are the one, Lord, that has the words of eternal life. Who am I going to go to, Lord? You are the one that have the words of eternal life. Bottom line, he was saying, Lord, you got exactly what I need. I, I, I don't have to go and look on TikTok. You, Lord got exactly what I need. I don't have to admire a celebrity. No, you, Lord, got exactly what I need. I don't have to aspire to be like somebody that's not saved. You, Lord, have exactly what I, what I need. Peter's value system was on point. He had his values in place. 
And so when we consider Simon Peter, we need to learn from him. And I'm going to close with these last two points. We're going to look at what he said. Because when you stick to the word, like Peter, you're going to have certain values. When you stick to the word, young people, like Simon Peter, you're going to have certain values. There's no way around it. No way around it. You're going to have these same values. Number one, let's go to John 6 and 68. Come on, y'all get there. And we're going to read it together with some power. John 6 and 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we? There you go. The first value that Simon Peter had is that he valued his pastor. Jesus was his pastor. And notice the verse, to whom? Who going to pastor us? Who going to teach us? Who's going to equip us? He valued his shepherd. Sadly, in our day and time, many young people of this generation, first of all, don't have a shepherd. And some don't value the shepherd that they have the way they the way they should. Simon Peter, again, was immature at the time, but he valued his pastor. He valued Jesus. One way we can begin to value who God wants us to value is we need to understand who they are. Young people, when it comes to a pastor, one definition of a pastor is a gift. That's what a pastor is, a gift that God gives his people. Specifically, he has given to the church. Many of us know John 3.15, and I will give you shepherds. Let's read it together. And I will Give you shepherds. God's shepherds are gifts. Jeremiah 3.15. A shepherd is your gift. When God gives a shepherd, it's just going to be designed specifically for you. Specifically for you. In mind... To help you. Given to you. I'm going to give these young people a shepherd. A divine gift. Going to feed them with two things. Knowledge and understanding. Going to equip them for the work of the ministry. See, a real God-sent shepherd will benefit every aspect of your life. You should be to the point to where when you recognize God has given you a shepherd, you value that relationship. 
But what be jacked up is when you see young people that have a shepherd, but they value other things that did not come from God. You be like, man, how they know all them lyrics to that song, but struggle to tell one point from their pastor's message? Man, how they know where that athlete was born? How they know what, what, what teams they done played on? How they know their children's name? They know how many stats and points they average, but can't even remember the title of the last message that came from their pastor. You know what that says? That your value system is off. You value other things and other people more so than what God has given you. Look at somebody and say, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Peter, Simon Peter valued his, his pastor. He valued. He said, who am I going to go to? Who am I going to? Who, who going to pray for me? Who going to explain different things about life to me? Because that's what a pastor do enlightens your eyes, gives you understanding. Go ahead and try to email Drake and see if he get back to you. Go ahead and try to call up Beyonce and see if you get a response. They weren't given to you. And I'm just using them as examples. But how many are following me? God gives pastors to the church, and we should value them. We should value God-given shepherds. But then he goes further. He says, for you have the words of, help me, eternal life. Number two, Simon Peter, young folk, valued the word. He valued his shepherd, and he valued the word. He valued the word. Even though he was still immature and, and, and still was rough around the edges, he still valued the word. Look at what he said. You have the words of eternal life. Eternal life in one sense, young people. Notice is that which will keep you safe and cause continued blessings. Words that come from God that's going to keep you safe or protect you and cause you to be blessed in life. You have the messages. You have the words of eternal life. See, when young people come to God's house, and don't pay attention to the words of eternal life, that's not a good sign. When young people come to God's house and, and they don't have a hunger and a thirst for the word, that's not a good, that's not a good sign. Amen. 
When, when young adults and young people come to God's house and hear the word but don't do it, that's not a good, it's not a good sign. The words of eternal life, young people, or the revealed word is valuable. You know what? When you get sick in your body, you know what will heal you? The word. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. You know, when you need God to cause you to have good success, you know where it's going to come through? The, through the word. That's how God used Joshua to say, look, meditate on this word day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Then you're going to have good, good success. You, you know what's going to cause you to break bad habits and clean your life up? It's the it's the word. David said, how can a young man cleanse his way? He said, by taking heed to your, to your word. All of us got, got something that tempts us, but you know what's going to sanctify us or keep us from doing what we have no business doing? It's that word. You know, you know why I, I, I'm not hoeing like I used to before I got saved? That word done sanctified me. It done cleaned me up. Some of y'all ain't, ain't, ain't smoked in a long time. And you know why? That word, it, it done cleaned you up. Some of us used to lie. You ain't lied the way you used to lie. You know why? That word done helped clean you up. It's the word. You got to value the words, young people, of eternal life. The word is so powerful. If you believe it, young folk, it'll prosper you. The Bible says if you believe his prophets or you believe the word that comes from your shepherd, if you stand on it, if you speak it, if you think it, if you make the choices based upon it, it'll bless you or prosper you. It'll prosper you. It may not happen on your timetable, but it'll happen at the appointed time. Tell somebody it may not happen on your timetable, but it'll happen at the appointed time. You just got to believe that word. Just believe the word. Simon Peter said, you got what I need. You got exactly what I need. And guess what? He didn't even have no cell phone. Simon Peter did not have no iPhone or no Android. He, he recognized, Lord, even without a phone, you got exactly what I need. What I need. Woo, look at somebody and say, whether you got a smartphone or not, you got to know what, val what, what to value. Yeah. Got to know what to value. Yeah. He said, man, you got exactly what I need. Let's look at this some more. I'm, 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 I'm about done. John 6 and 63. Something I quoted earlier. Let's look at it. John 6 and 63. Y'all with me? Jesus told them, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When you value that word, you're going to have life. When you put that word into action, you're going to have life, real life. But I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some trouble. I'm dealing with some hardship. Don't get in the flesh because the flesh profits what? Nothing. I just got to make sure 
I'm practicing the word so I can have life. John 3, 15. Jesus said, whoever believes in him or the word shall not perish but have eternal life. I just got to believe that word. These two verses back up what I've been saying these last few minutes. You got to stand on the word. What God gives your shepherd, you got to apply it to your life, to your marriage, to your money. And if you do that, you're going to have eternal life. You're going to be safe, and you're going to have continual blessings. But if you don't do that, you're going to do like them other disciples and just separate, reject that word. I don't know about you, I can't afford to not have no life. It's too much going on. I want the best life that God has has promised. What about y'all? I want everything he has for me, but it's up to me to make sure I do what I'm being taught. Bottom line, I got to do what I'm being taught, even if it steps on my toes. How many, like Simon Peter, you realize the Lord got exactly what you need? And, and you got to make sure with all you have, young people, that you're striving to do and stay connected to what your pastor is putting before you. Would y'all agree? I'm going to stop right there. Let's give God a hand clap.